0: How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined on Thursday, March 31st, 2022, by Ben Gorowitz. Ben, say what's up with the people, man.
1: What's going on, everyone? Good week so far for me. How about you?
0: Ben, it's been a great week, man. Quarter, end of the quarter today, technically. Um, tomorrow's Friday. Saturday, we got the final four. I mean, what more could you guys ask for? With that being said, Y'all already know, guys, we're going to break down the final four for y'all, give y'all some picks and whatnot. Um, We're going to talk about, just real quick, Bruce Arians out in Tampa Bay, and we're going to preview the NL and AL Central for y'all. On two we'll probably come to y'all Tuesday after the national championship basketball game. Monday's kind of a hectic day. So I mean we wouldn't even plus Sundays, you know, weekends get busy and whatnot. So we'll go after the national championship and let y'all know what we think. Um, but yeah, we're gonna finish up our baseball preview as well on that episode. We'll give you all even our awards and everything. So lots of stuff coming from us. Y'all know just because football's over, we're not done. Let's get down to it, though, Ben. Bruce Arians out as head coach in Tampa Bay. This is one a lot of people saw coming. Ever since the Antonio Brown thing and Brady retiring and coming back, it was kind of obvious that Brady never longer wanted to play with Bruce Arians as the head coach. I mean, let's be honest. Arians is kind of an ass, man. Like, Arians openly cussed Brady out. And, you know, it was just kind of made fun of him in public. Like, you never saw Belichick do that. You know, Brady didn't like it. Also, too, I was listening to another podcast today, and they're pointing out the fact that Arians has never technically been promoted within. He's just bounced around, like, 5 billion different coaching jobs. It's probably the type of guy Arians is. But, Ben, does this come as a shock to you? And what do you think the ultimate uh, look is in Tampa?
1: No, can't say I'm that shocked. I think I texted you uh, when you sent me the news. I was like, yeah, it doesn't shock me that much. Didn't seem like him and Brady ever the love for each other. I think it was Mm -hmm. just one of those relationships where they both respect the hell out of each other. They're both very good at their jobs. One of them is the best ever at his own job. And then I think Bruce Arians is a really good coach. Like just better than his records have shown on some teams. But um, whether people choose to believe what Arians says is true or false, I think it's a good message he put out. Um, I'm choosing to believe that it's not that true. I think he's kind of forced out, but I think his message is, is, uh, is the right message to kind of like move forward with. Yeah. And just congrats to Todd Bowles. I, he's a guy that definitely deserves another head coaching job. I think he was interviewing around this past offseason. season. He was but, um, like Jacksonville went a different way. Uh, Miami pro. I don't know if he was up for the Miami job, but they went a different way. So you know he gets to take over a really good football team. We'll see how long this team can be really good because still got a lot of contract stuff that's kind of up in the air. We don't know how long Brady's going to play. Goblin will eventually have to be taken care of. Lavonte David. So listen, he's taking over. He's taken over this this coming year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, let's see what he can do. I mean, him and Leftwich, they're both in great situations. They both have a chance to probably like Leftwich is probably going to have a. Chance to move on to if he wants to be head coach after this season as yeah. well, after working with Brady and after winning a Super Bowl and competing for another one. So, I mean, congrats to those guys. But I mean, listen, he, this NFL offseason's been un- unbelievably crazy. Mm-hmm. And we got even cra- more crazy news today about the Rams.
0: Yeah, where the hell? First of all, where the hell are the Rams find this money, man? How are they able to pay Bobby Wagner $10 million per year? I mean, the Falcons literally don't have players on their roster. And they do, like the Falcons literally don't have players and we don't have money. Like it doesn't make any sense. And the Rams are pulling we'll all this money out 40 of 40 million. Out. Yeah. But still though, like the Rams are able to pay, who was the wide receiver they paid um, Allen Robinson. Robinson and now they can pay this guy. And they're already paying Aaron Donald Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, Robert Woods, Cooper cup. I mean, the list just goes on and on. I don't know where the hell they found the money at, man. I wish the Falcons had the money trees. Like-
1: And it's not like baseball where, like, your owner can just spend and spend. And if he doesn't care about the luxury tax, then he doesn't care about it. Like, the NFL has a salary cap. So I have no idea. But Bobby Wagner is a hell of a football player. They have a very good defensive line. Uh, Even without Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd's been very good. Uh, They have Von Miller's. No, 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 Von Miller's on the Bills now. But they have Leonard Floyd who will take over for Von Miller, who honestly was doing a pretty good job before Von Mm -hmm. Miller got there. They solidified the linebacking position with Bobby Wagner. And who's going to run on this team? Up the middle, you have Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner, and then Jalen Ramsey even plays. uh, He doesn't always play like the corner safety position. He kind of plays wherever he wants. Sometimes plays in the linebacker kind of slot corner. So he's everywhere. He's a great, probably the best run defending corner, like tackling corner there is. And it's just like, how are you going to run on this team? It's just unbelievable where they find the money.
0: Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense to me, man. I wish Atlanta had money like that. Anyway, though, Ben, let's get over, man, to what everybody tuned in to listen to us talk about today. Let's talk about the Final Four. So, obviously, guys, Ben and I talked about everything that led us to this point. Let's get in here, though, and break down these games. Y'all know what it is, guys. It's Thursday. Let's do it. Picks pod time Third, or Saturday, tipping off at approximately 6.09 p.m., on TBS, first of all, I hate the fact they're not playing on on CBS, but on TBS, we're going to have number two Villanova, two seed taking on the number one seed Kansas. Kansas, a four and a half point favorite. The over under in this game set at one thirty three. This game will be played in New Orleans, Louisiana. Ben, what's going to happen here, man?
1: So I heard an interesting uh, – the guy who's replacing Moore for Villanova is actually a New Orleans, Louisiana product. So he's going home to play, and he's getting significant minutes in his role. So I don't know if that adds pressure. Him playing – I'm sure he's going to have a ton of family there. Uh, we'll see kind of how he does there. Listen, I, I said it Tuesday. I don't. Even though Villanova has – they play a short rotation, and they're obviously missing one of those guys that plays a big role in that, I still trust Jay Wright. More than just about any other coach that there is in college basketball, I mm-hmm. trust Jay Wright more than I trust Bill Self. I think everyone should, unless you're a Kansas Jayhawk fan. But I do think Kansas is the better team. Kansas on defense this tournament has been unbelievable. They're just suffocating teams, specifically in the second half. Their second halves have been unbelievable this tournament. What they did to was it, it was Miami mm-hmm. uh, was just flat out ridiculous. It, they made Miami look like they never played basketball before. Miami couldn't make a shot. Miami couldn't get off a good shot. Couldn't do anything. I do think Kansas wins this game. Um, and the line didn't really move with Moore going out. I mean, like, obviously he went out, the game ended, but I saw something of what it would have been. It Moore didn't make that much of a difference. So I honestly think if I'm playing this game, I think I'm going to take Villanova to cover the first half spread.
0: Okay. And
1: I, and I, I just, like, I just don't trust Kansas enough unless it – if it goes to five, then I might take Villanova. But if it doesn't, then I'm take Villanova first half. And I think total-wise, I think the under for the game makes more sense. Both these teams are going to play really good defense. It's just what they do. Um, I think – I just think shot – like, shot-making in this game is going to be the key, and it, they're all going to be tough shots. Like, both teams get back in transition – um, Kansas does not give up very many threes, and Villanova's going to need to make a lot of threes. I just think there's a lot of pressure on guys like uh, Samuels and, and Colin Gillespie. Just too much that they're not going to win the game off of it. But I, I lean the under in the game and first half Villanova because Kansas has been much better in the second half than they have been in the first half so far.
0: Yeah, Ben, I kind of like a lot of things you said there. I'm going to go – so – Sidewise, guys, I'm leaning towards playing Villanova. I haven't played anything on the side yet here. Look, way I look at it, man, Moore might be out and all, but Moore's not the point guard. Colin Gillespie is the senior point guard. He should be able to make up the slack here for what they're going to be missing. When I look at these two teams, though, Villanova is going to want to slow the game down, play a slow-paced defensive game. I think they're going to be able to do that. I singled out, though. I want the first half under, and I want Villanova team total under in the first half. First half under is set at 61 and a half. The team total under is set at 30 and a half. I just feel like this is going to be a slow pace first half. The teams are going to pass the ball around a lot. Villanova is going to try to get accustomed figure out what Kansas wants to do. They're really going to want to slow the pace around. They're not going to want to get out and run and shoot. I think Villanova keeps the game slow and plays a slow half-court pace game. With all that being said, I kind of feel like Villanova can do it here in this game. Jay Wright has a big game experience. So does Bill Self. These two guys have gone to war many times. Villanova is going to make McCormick uncomfortable. They're going to play that small ball lineup. They're going to bring him out from underneath the basket. I think they're going to take advantage and go at him. A lot like we saw them do against, um, shit. Who was the big team that they beat, beat in the, like a lot like we saw them do against Michigan. You know, I feel like it's going to run a lot like how that game did. I feel like Villanova can still get through here. Obviously, like Ben said, Villanova really only plays seven guys. So losing one of the guys for a season hurts. I just feel like in college basketball, when you have a guy who's not, you know, like a NBA all-world talent. I feel like you can rally around and win one game without him. I think they're going to be able to do it. You see it a lot of times in college football where decent teams lose their starting quarterback, they're able to rally and win a game without him. I think they're able to do the exact same here with thing here without their starting shooting guard in there.
1: You see there's another Archie Academy in Villanova?
0: Yeah, I did know that actually. It's absolutely <laughs> crazy. For a second there, I thought the other one somehow left the NBA and came back to play in college, but we all know that's not possible.
1: I hope there's another so they turn into the plumlays of Villanova. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That would be a good one. Um, next game up here on the rotation. Obviously, guys, this is the big game. Shout out CBS for doing this one at 849. We're going to have number eight seed, North Carolina, taking on number two seed, the Duke Blue Devils. Um, over under in this game set of 51 and a half. The spread on this game is minus four in favor of the Blue Devils. I'll start on this one. Look, guys, back to what I said on, on Tuesday's podcast. When Duke played at North Carolina, they were 11 and a half point favorites a month ago. They blew North Carolina out in Chapel Hill. And on that game, Duke was favored by three. So think about it guys. Now we're playing here on neutral court. and It's a four point spread. That's a seven point difference. I think it favors the blue devils on top of that. I feel like Brady, man, it can't really guard anybody. And he's going to have to guard Palo Brincaro. North Carolina has arguably been the hottest team in college basketball since about pretty much since they lost that game to Duke. And I just feel like that the run's finally over here for North Carolina. They made the Cinderella run. They got this far. A lot of times you see the Cinderella. They're able to get in the final four. They get exposed here. I think four is a pretty short number. I see a lot of value on Duke. I just feel like the Duke's going to have one mismatch on the court and they're going to be able to take advantage from it. Coach K seems to be able to adapt and play different teams' pace. Also, what happened last time these two teams play? Coach K got embarrassed, man. This was his going-away party, and North Carolina crashed it. You think he's going to let them put him out in the Final Four and potentially his last game they ever coaches? I see no way it happens. I say Duke minus four. I think Duke ends up winning this game by eight to ten points. I think it's going to be a tight game, but I think Duke pulls away late due to fouling and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like a lot of – I think I like a lot of uh, what you said. I definitely agree on the the Brainy Manic defensive matchup. Um, I'm going to take the over in this game. Both teams are not great I defensively. Um, I saw – I heard a stat that North Carolina is 18-0 this year when they hold their opponents the 44% or fewer shooting mm-hmm. percentage. Duke's only been held to that like six times all year. They're okay. shooting about 70 – Shooting over sixty-five percent as a team this entire tournament, so it's like it's like close to seventy-three percent. So Duke's offense is absolutely rolling, um, but North Carolina's offense is on absolutely rolling. Both defenses are nothing special to them, and both teams don't turn the ball over a whole lot right now. Uh, that was North Carolina's problem earlier in the season, and it, when they played at home, they turned the ball over just way too much. And Duke in transition is as good as an NBA team in transition. They're not going to mess up very often. They're getting a corner three or they're getting an alley if they're just that good in transition. Um, turnovers, if, if they can stay down for both teams, I think a lot of points can be scored. The guard play for North Carolina, I I am, I think the guards for North Carolina, just Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, I think they're better than Duke's guards, just straight up. I, I, Roach and, and Griffin, if I'm just comparing those two guys. Um, the way that Caleb Love and – RJ Davis are playing is just unbelievable. Those guys are on fire right now. I think in Baycott, like Baycott and Williams is is a great equalizing equalizer uh, matchup of the big men. But when it comes to like all around like Palo Bancaro versus Manic, Bancaro is going to torch him uh, with his post moves and shooting ability. So like Bancaro needs to be, or whoever really guards Manic, they need to be focused on the defensive end. This guy doesn't need much room to shoot the ball. He pretty much just fires it up anytime he gets the ball on, on the uh, perimeter. So Duke's gotta have a hand in his face all all the time, or he's gonna just light him up from threes like yeah. he lights everyone up. And uh, I, I do think Duke wins this game. I'm not comfortable enough to say that they blow him out. So just give me the over.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's a bad pick at all. they been first time these teams met. The total was set at 152 and a half. I actually bet the over in that game and they finished the game at 154. So I got very lucky to hit that one. I remember there was a garbage time bucket as North Carolina lost by 20. Second time these teams met, it was the total was the exact same set at 152 and a half. Final score of that game was 94 to 81. So safe to say those teams got out and ran a little bit. I don't see why they won't stretch their legs again in the third time. I expect this game to be a lot more offensive. I think that's a good bet there. I'll probably lay off it, though, and just play the Blue Devils' side here. But I think you have the right bet there. Um, ben, obviously, there will be a lot of big-time stories and everything to play away from these games. We'll get to all that on Monday. We'll give Coach K his due, and we'll talk about how we think these coaches rank up as the best coaches in basketball and where we think Coach K links and whatnot. I say we save all that for Tuesday's podcast after we see how everything plays out this weekend. I've definitely, as much as I am a coach K hater, I got a lot of good things to say about him for regardless He's of what won. happens to him this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's, He's usually baseball. the best coach coach at college basketball at this point. Um, anyway though, guys, baseball is right around the corner. Once again, as we said, last podcast and it's time to week. talk. Yeah, it's it. We're, we're hey, guys. All I can say is that this time next week, I can't wait to be watching a baseball game live and getting ready. I might, I might go to that Braves game next Thursday. Shit. Might have to. Um, anyway, guys, let's talk a little bit here about the central divisions of the MLB. We'll start things off in the NL central and we'll start things off with the reigning NL central champions. That is the Milwaukee Brewers. So Ben, Brewers obviously won the division last year. They got put out by our Atlanta Braves. Let's talk a little bit about what their lineup and their team's gonna look like this upcoming year. The um, Brewers pretty much bring everybody out. They back. They added Hunter Renfro. Um, they bring in Rowdy Tyles. You still have obviously, and you bring in Andrew McCutcheon as well. You still obviously have Christian Yelich. Still have. Uh, we did. I guess they brought in Colton Wong as well from the division rival Cardinals. But you still obviously have Willie. Um, Adamas in there you have uh, Lorenzo Kane who's sitting down in the order um, also too you have arguably the best pitching in the MLB is you have Corbin Burns Brandon Woodruff who are easily top what would you say Ben top eight pitchers each
1: yeah, yeah they're yeah. both Cy Young candidates
0: Yeah, exactly. They're both Cy Young candidates. Then Freddie Peralta, who had one hell of a season last year. And then Adrian Hauer and Eric Lauer rounding out that rotation. Ben, what do you think about the Brewers this season and what's going to be their key to success?
1: Uh, Pitching. Pitching in their bullpen is just disgusting. Um, That's definitely the key to success, just like it was last year. They're not going to change that up. Um, This team can shut down any lineup. They also have have a young pitcher who – uh, you guys are going to find out about, about this kid. Aaron Ashby just, I mean, he's a rookie of the year candidate. I'll tell you right okay. there. I mean, he's, this kid's going to be unbelievable. They're not going to ask. He's going to be a four or five and they're as a rookie, which means expectations aren't the highest. He gets to learn from two Cy Young candidates. And then Freddie Peralta, who I believe was an all-star. Um, so just strong bullpen, great starting pitching. Hunter Renfro obviously adds a lot of thump to a lineup, um, unless he's one of those like you know how there's some athletes that just play better for one team like they just fit in in uh, the patriots probably have a lot of those guys right i'm trying to think of the braves um uh, duval kind of duval's yeah. been sensational for the braves and when he goes elsewhere it's like it's like okay so hey
0: i'll give you uh, a way throwback brave who's like that Matt diaz diaz <laughs> there's one for with
1: you the the lean back in the stance oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Brewers are the favorite to win this division. Um, They should be the favorite to win this division. This is pretty much a two-team race in this division. I think we have three teams that finish below 500. I guess I'll get into the weeds of that as we talk about each team. Um, The Brewers are going to be really good. Their pitching is going to be incredible. They're going to have at least two All-Stars from their rotation and uh, two potential Cy Young candidates as well. It's not the best. I still think the Mets with Scherzer and DeGrom, that's that's. Pretty, I think that's the best starting rotation just from the two of yeah. those. But I mean, they also have Chris Bassett, and we'll get we'll get to the Mets.
0: Taiwan Walker, yeah, they're yeah, yeah they're I mean, loaded.
1: They're, yeah,
0: um, yeah, you know I'm gonna agree with everything you said there, Ben. Um, the one player that I actually want to see if he can break through this year is Keiston, uh Hiura, or however you say it. Um, he was a highly touted prospect came over, came over out of Japan. A lot of people thought that he was going to be, you know, kind of like Otani is a pair. So the thing that I've been reading on about him and about a lot of these other guys who come out of Japan is they have this big ass leg kick that they put in their swing when they play over in Japan. Obviously they throw a lot yep. faster and harder over here in America. Apparently he worked that out of his stance. Cause I mean, he was doing absolutely terrible in the MLB and went down to the minors. So if he can come over and work that out of his stance and they can get him back in this lineup, the Brewers can be scary next or this, this upcoming season season Um, I mean
1: they were scary going into the postseason last year and they just ran into a red hot Atlanta offense
0: no absolutely man I mean they got caught in a buzzsaw with that Atlanta handled business as usual that was the end of the Jock Peterson series there when he got everything started for our rally so gotta love that next team up in the division a team that also made the playoffs as a wild card and was put out on a walk-off home run by the Dodgers is the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals currently are bringing back pretty much the entire same lineup. Their only real add is Corey Dickerson. Um, Obviously, they lost Colton Wong. Um, On top of that, pitching-wise, oh, actually... I know this guy doesn't really count as a big-time bring-in, but Albert Pools has returned to town, as well as DH needs 13 home runs to hit 700. Pools is one of my three favorite players to ever play the game. So, got. They did wait. bring
1: in uh, – they brought in Steven from who was the lefty. He used to pitch for the Mets in Toronto. They, they brought him in.
0: Yeah, I was about to get to that part when we get to the pitching. But, yeah, they bring in Steven Matz. They bring back Coda Hutz, Dakota Hudson. They have Miles Mikolas, who missed most of last season, Adam Wainwright. And it looks like that – Um. Flaherty will start the season on the injured list, but he should be back yeah. to join the team at some point during the season. Ben, what do you think about the Cardinals this season?
1: Well, they're going to need Jack Flaherty. Um, mm-hmm. He's the ace of the staff, and they really missed him last year when he he just didn't pitch that much last year. They got to have him healthy. The one thing about the Cardinals, and uh, first of all, their bullpen's going to be terrific, just like the Brewers. The one thing about the Cardinals is their defense wins them a lot of games, and their defense has always been elite. So. Uh, You know, I was a little upset with the Cardinals last year um, because they fired their coach, Mike Schilt, over – I forget the – what was it? Uh, They they disagreed on how the organization should look moving forward is basically – the guy brought you to the playoffs and you're basically ragging him for for not doing things you want. I mean, he did it his way and they got you to the playoffs. I mean, whatever. Um, I, I felt bad for him. They brought in a new manager, but let's be honest, they the veterans that they have on this team, like Wainwright is basically a second pitching coach, right? Yadier Molina on the field is literally a coach on the field. Albert Pujols in the clubhouse is like adding in another manager. I mean, this team, they're going to be good. Um, they're going to – I think this is – like them with the Brewers, I think, should be able to take advantage of the weaker parts of this mm-hmm. uh, division, specifically the Pirates. I mean, the Pirates are going to be atrocious. Um, and I, so I think they'll kind of feed off their division like the Brewers will so they're going to be in it I, I think I don't think they're that far behind the Brewers it just depends on kind of their injuries I just think the Brewers pitching staff elevates above the Cardinals you know if Jack Flaherty's not going to be there Um, do you know when he's coming back I, I've seen kind of different timelines on him I heard he could miss the first two months I've I've heard if he has another setback it could be the all-star break I mean I haven't locked down a date yet.
0: Have you No, nah, kind of the same thing as you? It's really unknown. So who knows? It's a long season. So I know for a fact that we'll see him at some point in time. And I mean, honestly, I'm sure they would rather have him healthy rolling into the playoffs and out there pitching in regular season games, you know? So It'll be interesting to see what happens there with that. But, yeah, I agree with everything Ben said. I mean, the Brewers and the Cardinals are head and shoulders above everybody in the playoffs, regardless of how much better we think some of these other teams are. Like, honestly, I think there's teams in the NL and AL West that would easily win this division that will probably come in third place in their divisions. But at the same time, these teams will probably both make the playoffs because the fact they're going to beat up on the shitty teams in their division so much. I mean, you're going to get to play the majority of your games in the season against sub-500 teams. So, I think the biggest key for the Cardinals is just going to be in the in the even the Brewers too just win the games you should you know split the games against the good teams win the games you should and you'll be fine um, next, Ben, let's move over here to the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds had a lot of departures this offseason, such as uh, Eugenio Suarez, Nick Castellanos, Jesse Winker, Sonny Gray, just to name a few of them. This is going to be a new-look Reds lineup. They have their stud rookie of the year, Jonathan India. Um, he's going to be leading off for them this season. A couple other guys, obviously Joey Votto is still there. Moustakis is going to stick around. Tyler Stevenson, a Georgia boy catcher who's looking to have a very promising season will be with them as well. They also bring in Tommy Fan from the Padres who they said goodbye to as well um pitching wise this is not the same rotation as it was last year as they had three solid starters now Tyler Malley looks to be their number one Um, they also added Mike Miner who's going to start the season on the injured list and their stud ace Luis Castillo is also starting the season as a on the injured list who I saw got set back recently Ben I think it's going to be pretty bad in Cincinnati this season. I mean, I think their lineup has a little more pop in it than, you, than I thought it does. I would be shocked to see Moustakis finish the season with them. At the same time, Moustakis got pretty fat. Like, I remember seeing him last year yeah. on the team. I was like, damn, this guy looks like an alcoholic now. <laughs> he got fat like that. Or, like, he can't lay off the potato chips. or um, I guess since he's in Cincinnati, he can't stay at a skyline, you know. So um, Moustakis <laughs> definitely put on the weight while he's playing up there. But yeah, I would be shocked to see him finish the season with the team. Um, Indy is there to stay. Votto's got a big-ass contract. But, you know, I think the Reds will probably win about 70 games this season and be below 500. I don't think they'll be as abysmal as the other teams in this division, but it's definitely not going to be a good season in Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, somewhere between 80 or 70 and 80 wins is, is what I would ballpark for them. Uh, I mean, they really trimmed their payroll, like you, like you mentioned. I think you really hit all the high notes. I mean, listen, not not having Luis Castillo to even start the season's a big blow or Mm -hmm. Mike minor. Um, the Mike minor trade was an interesting one to say the least. Not sure. I really understood all of that, but what was the trade? I didn't see it. Well, they're trimming money and they got rid of, I think it wasn't that the sunny gray. Wasn't that like a three team trade? And then they bring in Mike minor. Who's Mm -hmm. on a similar deal. Like it, it just didn't really make much sense. Um, I Yeah, this team's not going to be that good, but they could fight for third in this division. It's between them and the Cubs for
0: third. Hey, perfect segue you made right there, Ben. I already had the Cubs pulled up as the next team we talk about. Obviously, we have to save the worst for last. Um, Let's talk about the Cubs here. Look cubs guys this is not the same team that's been the last couple of years we've seen them sell off a lot of the guys obviously rizzo and bryant both got traded last year at the trade deadline but a couple other guys depart as well um i think the key guys in this lineup now are going to be wilson Contreras, ian hap um I don't, I don't know if i'll pronounce this correctly or not saya suzuki he's a he is from japan he's supposed to be a highly touted prospect they're pretty excited about him patrick wisdom showed some promise last year and they also traded keg K, K, uh, craig kimbrell for Nick Madrigal right before the seat or the trade deadline. He was a pretty decent second baseman for the white Sox played a lot for them last year. Pitching rotation is not as bad as I thought it was going to be Honestly, They have Marcus Stroman, Kyle Hendricks, Wade Miley, and then Alec Mills and Drew Smiley to round out the end of it. So, I mean, the Cubs old friend alert. <laughs> yeah. Old friend alert for, alert for real right there. The rotation is not as bad as I thought it would be, but it's not looking great in Chicago. Ben, what do you think about this team?
1: Eh, it's not looking great, the pitching rotation. Um, I'm a big Kyle Hendricks fan. He is a just a bright man. He's an Ivy League kid. He's figured out how to have a lot of success without throwing very hard. Yep. He's about 80, 86 to 88 with his fastball, but every pitch he throws has a lot of movement. Um, I think him and Stroman are going to complement each other very well because Stroman is a guy that also doesn't throw as hard, but he has a lot of movement. I think they can teach each other a lot. Uh, Hendricks has been around the game for a long time, and Stroman is pitching some – pretty big scenarios in his life. I mean, I remember um, he was in the Blue Jays and he was coming back off a torn ACL and he came back early, pitched a playoff game for them. And then he pitched in the championship for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic not mm. not too many years ago. And um, he can be a loud mouth on social media. I don't know how people really feel about him, but he's a pretty good pitcher. I don't know if he's an ace of the staff, but I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Stroman just watching in general. I uh, like the excitement he plays. This team, Suzuki's going to hit a lot of home runs, especially in that ballpark. Early on, it can get mm-hmm. – uh, have you ever been to a game in Wrigley Field?
0: I've been twice, actually.
1: That wind is serious. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, I know it's the Windy City. That wind, if it's blowing out, Suzuki's going to hit over 30 home runs pretty easily. The kid's got a lot of power. Um, I wouldn't be too shocked if Wilson Contreras also got traded at some point. this. Like, if they're bad. They're really bad at the deadline. I, that's a name that could be moved. I think he would get attracted by a lot of teams. Um, you know, great defensive catcher, especially with that arm he has. And a uh, pretty good hitter. And on off days, he solidifies as a pretty good DH in my book. So I wouldn't be too shocked if if they trim the fat off him and get rid of him as well. But uh, this team would be fight, fighting for third or fourth in this division. Madrigal is an interesting name. Madrigal is very similar to a – um, not with the speed necessarily, but like a Whit mm-hmm. Merrifield or like a David Fletcher. Like he's yeah. going to hit for a lot of contact. He's going to get a lot of hits. He's a great on-base guy. It's uh, so Just a good guy to kind of build around in the future, not as your main piece, but he's a good guy to have at the top of your order. The Cubs will be back. If their ownership decides to get the head out of their ass and their owner's like trying to buy a soccer team right now, it's not really focusing on the Cubs. It's the Rickett family. It's very famous baseball family. They'll spend some money in the coming years. Chicago will be back, um, but not this year.
0: Yeah, I agree. They'll battle. It'll be a fun battle between them and the Reds for third place, one I probably won't really be paying much attention to. But, yeah, you know, I agree with everything you said. I actually want to see Ian Happ and see what he can do with this roster. Ian Happ, actually, the year when he was sent down to the minors, I believe it was, like, to the year before the pre COVID year. Yeah. The pre COVID year when he's down the minor leagues, he actually had the highest on one of the highest on base percentages in minor league history. He's a guy who takes a lot of pitches and have a good eye. Let's see if he can transition that over and get some big hits. He's going to be batting the cleanup spot for the Cubs this season. I want to see if he can have a big season. I actually think he has a little promise. So be fun to watch and see what happens with him. But yeah, not, not too much for the Cubs. They're not going to be competing for a playoff spot or anything. Last team up here. I can almost guarantee you all this team is not going to be competing for a playoff spot some people call them the Buccos. I call them the Pittsburgh Pirates. This team is going to be rough this year. Um, they bring in Dan Boglebach. They lost Adam Frazier at the trade deadline last year. I can't even remember who else they lost because I can't remember the rest of their lineup. Look, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys the one guy worth a damn in this lineup. You need to watch Key Brian Hayes, third baseman, second year player. Last year was his rookie year. This kid can swing the bat. He can play the field. I think he's a budding star of the MLB. I think he's the one bright spot in this team. Let's see what the rest of the young guys have for the Pirates for the rotation. I mean, it's not much to look at. I mean, when Jose Quintana is your number one coming into the season, I mean, he couldn't even stay on the angels and the angels are desperate for anybody who can throw a strike. So, uh, I'm, the pirates are gonna be bad.
1: Yeah. The only thing they're competing for is the worst record in baseball. <laughs> um, there is another name. That's a really good player for the pirates. Uh, Brian Reynolds is a Vandy kid. Yeah. Problem is, apparently they're in trade talks to, to send him to the Padres. So oh wow! once again, another good player, the pirates are just willing to throw away and not build a future around. So uh, the rumors have been Chris Paddock and yeah. Ryan, Ryan Weathers and a couple other players. Um, so a couple MLB ready guys and a couple of prospects that could be coming back to the pirates, pirates way, but uh, they're, they're terrible. I mean,
0: Pirates need if, to hold out from CJ Abrams they're not getting C.J. If
1: if relegation was a thing in baseball, the pirates would probably be the first to go.
0: Absolutely. There might be triple A teams that could beat the pirates. That's how bad they are. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Dead ass. There might be some triple A teams that could beat them. Yeah, guys, it'll be another rough year in Pittsburgh for sure. Ben, before we flip over to the AL central, give them to me one through five here.
1: One through five. Uh, Brewers, Cardinals, cubs reds pirates i guess you can flip the cubs and reds either way
0: yeah i'm actually gonna agree with you i i think the cubs have i think the i think the the reds have a little bit better batting order but i think that the pitching for the cubs is a lot better than theirs is so i'm gonna agree with you on that one i mean i doubt the reds are gonna rush luis castillo back i bet he'll miss some time as well they're not really looking to compete for anything on the flip side of things, guys, let's go over to – it's almost like the other side of town practically because we're going to start out here in Chicago with the White Sox. I've been to both stadiums. Wrigley Field yep. is definitely more of an all-time classic stadium. I would I would honestly compare Guarantee Rate Field, which is where that the um, White Sox play, to – the old Turner Field where the Braves play. That's kind of what it reminds me of. It's a massive stadium that they used to struggle to fill out. Now they can. This lineup is absolutely nasty. And I would say they have one of the best batting orders of any team in the MLB. You have Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Yon Mancado, Eloy Jimenez, Yasmin Grandal, Gavin Sheets, Josh Harrison, Lurie Garcia. And then pitching wise, you have Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito. Dylan Cease, Dallas Keuchel and the and the guy who's been a highly touted prospect. Let's see what he can do. Michael Kopech who's finally going to be an yeah. everyday starter. Ben, what do you think about this White Sox team, man? Did they run away with this division easily?
1: Um they they're, they're going to win the division. I don't know about easily just cuz injuries do happen. Um but I mean, they have Luis Robert, who could be an MVP candidate. They have Jose Abreu, who's won an MVP before. They have Tim Anderson, who could be an MVP candidate. Uh, and then just all star guys like Grandal and Jimenez. And then, I mean, their pitching staff, I'd say it's pretty good. I mean, if they can stay healthy, I know that they lost Carlos Rodon. Um, I don't know if Carlos Rodon's like a great pitcher. Like, I, I think he could be one of those guys that had just one breakout year. Maybe he yeah. figured something out. We're going to see what he does with his new team. But I mean, this is a rotation that's among the best in the American League, and the lineup is elite, I would say. So teams are not going to have fun pitching against this team. Um, they play with a lot of swag, starting with Tim Anderson and Luis Robert, Robert. So it seems to be really good. I think they can win anywhere between 80, probably 80, like 82 to 90-something games is probably their, probably what I would Project, but uh, they're going to win this division. They're the best team in this
0: division. I think this team wins way over ninety games. Honestly, I think this team will be close to a hundred once again. Yeah, um, y'all know the deal. Whenever the White Sox face a right-handed pitcher, it's either the over or the White Sox automatically. It's an auto bet for me on that. So
1: that was a, that was a lefty, or sorry, lefty.
0: yeah, left-handed pitcher. Yeah, because they have all righties. I got they sure smack lefties. Yeah, they absolutely smack lefties. But yeah, I love this White Sox team. I don't even think it's going to be competitive for them to win the division. Um. There's a lot of directions we could go. Let's go with the team that changed names here in this division. Um, I'm not going (laughs) to lie, guys. Me and Ben were texting back and forth earlier. I texted him, and I was like, I can't figure out who's going to finish second in this division. He agreed with me. We'll go to Cleveland with the Guardians. No longer the Indians, the Guardians. It's actually kind of funny. The page I'm looking at the lineup on here is advertising to me uh, Cleveland hats with the still Indian logo on there. I guess that's considered a collector's item at this point. But, um, yeah, there's a lot. There's – a decent bit of changes in the lineup. The key bit, though, is going to be you still have Jose Ramirez, one of the best hitters in baseball. He's rumored at the trade deadline every year. We'll see if he sticks around again. And you have Fran Mil-Reyes, the big slugger for him. A lot of these other guys are just whatevers in their, in their batting order. But you get down to the pitching, man. This pitching is elite. You have Shane yeah. Bieber, Cal Quantrill, who's pretty good, Zach Plezak who's a beast, Aaron Savale, who's also a beast, and Tristan McKenzie, who I think is due to have a pretty good year. Ben, what do you think about the Guardians?
1: Well, I don't think they're going to be able to hit mm-hmm. enough, but their pitching is great, so to be like a first five under team, I think they're pretty similar to the Miami Marlins, to be honest with you. Just really good. I think the Marlins pitching is better. Yeah. But ha- I mean, but just really good pitching, starting pitching in a lineup that's just not going to help them out enough. Um, I, I don't know what's happening with Jose Ramirez. I mean, he's he's got two years left on his contract, and Everyone wants him but they're not willing to give him up. I mean, he's a guy that can still win the MVP. I just I think they finished fourth in this division, honestly.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely on that one, Ben. I just don't think the lineup's there, man. And, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, too, if Shane Bieber or any of these pitchers have a little discomfort if they send him back down to the minors. They really loaded up on prospects a couple years ago when they unloaded a lot of their aces and stud hitters. So I think this team's more so just kind of, you know, in an in-between phase, but they're not that bad. And also, too, I think Jose Ramirez, like you said, he's available, but only for the right price, which I think is a smart way of doing things for the Indians. Um, I mean, the Guardians. Guardians. I'm going to do that yeah. a lot of times this year. <laughs> Um, next team up here, we'll go with a team that's Outlook. I like on this upcoming season. I took their win total over 77 and a half for this upcoming year. I'm gonna go with the Detroit Tigers, man. Detroit Tigers, they, they, what'd you say? It's a good bet. Oh, I'm glad. See, that makes me feel even better about it that you like it um I love this lineup honestly Akil Badu had a good season last year On top of that Robbie Grossman who also had a good season last year he's back you bring in Javi Baez who definitely struggled a little bit but I think he could succeed here um you have Miguel Cabrera still hanging around playing some baseball Jonathan Scope and then you have two highly touted prospects who are going to join the MLB play at this team I'm not exactly sure like me and Ben said last time with the uh arbitration rules and whatnot, but Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson will be in the MLB at some point in this time this season, which is going to be freaking awesome. Top of that, they bring in Eduardo Rodriguez to be their ace. Then they have Casey Mize and Tariq skuball Just to name a couple pitchers for this team, Mize and skuball I think are beasts. Look, this Tigers team, guys, they won, they won 77 games, I believe, last year, right on the nose of the win total last year. And I thought this team got better in the offseason. On top of that, all these guys have another year with the team. Um, I really think guys, I really think Casey Mize is going to be one of the ten, five best pitchers in the entire MLB, just a matter of time. He ha- came on strong last year, had a couple great outings, and the season went on, had an ERA below uh four, which is a great sign for a young guy. I think he settles in. Same thing with Scooball as well. I think it's gonna be a good season in Detroit. I like, I think this team wins about 80 games. Don't think the playoffs is in their future, but 80. I think they win at least 80 this season.
1: Yeah, I think, I think he hit on uh. A lot of the high notes, they brought in Tucker Barnhart. I think you mentioned him, but uh, I, I just think a change of scenery is going to be good for that guy's a really, really good defensive catcher. I think let's see if he can hit in, in uh, Detroit. It's a little bit tough. It's a lot tougher of a ballpark to hit in than Cincinnati, but we'll kind of see. But I think he can help out the pitching staff. He's a really good defensive catcher. Um, yeah, the Tigers farm system. Uh, it's pretty pretty damn good. A lot mm-hmm. of young pitchers, and uh, like you mentioned, Spencer Torkel and Riley Green. Should help out the thump in this lineup. They were, I know Torkoal was the number one pick out of Arizona State. I think Riley Green was top three, top five, I think, as well. He might have been number one as well. I should know Casey Myers was number one. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think your winning total is good. I, I have the Tigers finishing third in this division. I'm excited to see them.
0: Oh, yeah, I am too, honestly. I think they'll be a fun young team to watch. They were fun last year, made me a lot of money. Hopefully, they do it for me once again this year. I got them.
1: Baez, Baez brings excitement to a team hmm.
0: See, they were honestly rumored too to get Correa. I think they were in the mix. So it's good to see that for them as well. Another team that's gonna be a fun young team to watch that honestly overachieved last year and had a decent season is the Kansas City Royals. The Royals, they bring yeah. back Whit Merrifield. Obviously, they bring up stud absolute stud Bobby Witt Jr is going to be playing on this team. You got Sal Perez, who was putting up MVP numbers last year. Andrew Benatende, Carlos Santana, who's definitely a faithful hitter. I think Mondesi, he's a guy who needs to stay healthy sitting in this lineup as well. Pitching, Zach Grinke is back where it all started for him. Then you got Georgia boy Brad Keller, Brady Singer, Chris Bubik, and just to name a couple guys. Ben, what do you think about this Royals team, man?
1: They're just really young, but I'm excited to watch Bobby Witt Jr. is the number one prospect in baseball. Yep. Um, they also have they have a catching prospect. Um, give me a second here, but I'll think of his name. Uh, Salvador Perez, like you mentioned, he had a career high in home runs last year. Um, Melendez, Melendez is the guy's last name. Okay, Can't remember his first name right now. Also, supposed to be a very, very good catcher. Uh, he's supposed to be able to just thump the baseball at the plate. So, okay. if they can give Salvador Perez as he gets older some DH days and let this young guy play, I think it'll be nice. But uh, they're just gonna be really young. I mean, I, I have been finishing last in this division, but. I think they're, this is the, I told you the other day, this is the division of up-and-comers. The Tigers have a lot of young guys. The Royals probably have the most young guys. Um, the White Sox team is just young in general, but they're all stars already. And um, the Guardians, like, the Guardians are just going to be a team where they're going to eventually start to acquire a lot of young talent. Plus, their staff is very young. Shane Bieber is already an ace, a Cy Young candidate yearly, and I don't think he's very old, so. Um, just a lot of rise in this in this division, but I do think the Royals struggle uh, just because they just don't have they have a lot of youth right now. But play the youth, let them learn, let them let them fail in the MLB and, and teach them how to succeed. And Bobby Wood Jr. might he he might he might just be like a Cade Cunningham of baseball, like he he just might be the runaway rookie of the year as soon as he enters.
0: Yeah, um, Ben might have given away my pick for rookie of the year. I don't think I have to think about that one that long. <laughs> um, yeah, Bobby Wood Juju is a freaking yeah.
1: five-tool player.
0: Yeah, if you ever get the chance to watch the Royals hone in on that guy playing shortstop and third base this season, he's a beast, man. Um, actually, I think he is playing shortstop, and they moved Modesty over to third base. So. Honestly, is another one of those guys, too. If he can stay healthy, man, he might so be a good player. Yeah, he's so fast. Um, let's get to the last team. This team made a lot of offseason changes. They bring back Byron Bunkston, who for one time in his career was able to stay healthy, another Georgia boy. Um, you got Jorge Polanco back as well, but you spend the big bucks and you bring in Carlos Correa. You still got strikeout home run, Miguel Sano. Um, Max Kepler's <laughs> still here. Then you also bring over from the Yankees, Gary Sheffield and Giovanni Arshilla. On top Gary of that, Sheffield. you got. Or, sorry, Gary Sanchez. I always get them confused. I swear I, I swear I do that a thousand times. And you have Alex Kirloff, another highly-touted prospect. The flip side of things, pitching, after Sonny Gray goes pretty far downhill, as you got Dylan Bundy, Bailey Uber, Chris Archer. And you, when Chris Archer is supposed to be part of your rotation, that's where I stop right there. Get over now. Exactly. I texted Ben. I said, <laughs> anytime the White Sox and Twins play, give me the over.
1: Yeah, this, uh, this lineup is going to – is going to hit a lot of home runs. They're going to they're gonna be able to put a lot of runs up, um, even when they face some good pitchers. They're just not going to be able to pitch that. Like if Sonny Gray – Sonny Gray, he, he's not an ace. I, I think he's a good two option for a team, but pretty, pretty low on the ace scale for me. Uh, I think this team finishes second. I think they can win a decent amount of games because they're just going to score. They're going to score a lot of runs, and we'll see. We'll see how much – I think they do have a pretty decent bullpen – um, but starting staff, it's if they're winning a lot in the beginning, I think it's one of those where it it stops, it it kind of eats them alive as soon as they get about halfway through the season. But it could be something they struggle with all year. I really believe that. But listen, they're willing to spend the money for Correa. That means they're going to be willing to spend the money in other off seasons. So just kind of look out for the Twins in the off season. But I think they'll finish second in this division fairly comfortably.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely on that on that part Ben. Um yeah, I think you put it well. Um I'll go ahead and rank them real quick in this division. At number 1, I'm going to go with the Chicago White Sox. I, like I said, I think they'll pull away and win this division easily. I think they'll be somewhere in that 90 to 100 win range. Um second in place in this division <sighs> I really don't want to pick the Twins, Ben, but I guess I'm going to give it the Twins here. But I think it's going to be tight. I think the Tigers will be on their heels at third. I have the Royals fourth, and I actually have the Indians finishing last in this division. I do think, though, the Royals and Tigers will both go over their win totals, and I think it'll be damn competitive. I would not be shocked at all to see the Twins flop, man. I just see... What's I the Royals my... win total? Say that again? What's the Royals win total? Um, I'll pull it up here in a second. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But, you know, I really think that... This, in, this Indians te- – or this Twins team kind of reminds me of the Yankees of the AL Central, all hitting, not much pitching.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go White Sox, Twins, Tigers, Guardians, Royals, just as long as Jose Ramirez is there, honestly. Uh, plus, I like their pitching a lot better. So, um, I just don't love the Royals pitching. But you said the Tigers win total and the Royals one.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like those a lot. Tigers was at 70 and a half. Um, I'm pulling up the Royals as we speak right now. So the, tig-
1: the Tigers were 70 and a
0: half. Sorry, 77 and a half. Sorry, sorry, oh, sorry. Wow. Yeah, 77 and a half on the Tigers. On the Royals, we're looking at um, 75 and a half. Twins at 79 and a half. Interesting. And, okay. Yeah, White Sox are at I 91. Like and a half.
1: I like the Tigers. Probably like the Tigers in that one, for the winning yeah. total.
0: Yeah, I think the Tigers definitely go over. Um, on Monday, guys, I'll be dropping my absolute lock win total over. I, have, I had one for the NBA. We need one more loss for this team for the rest of the season. It's the New Orleans Pelicans. They just got to lose one more game. For the MLB, I got one too as well for you guys. So make sure to check that out. Ben, anything else for you before we get out of here, man?
1: No, I think that's all for me.
0: That's all I got as well, guys. Appreciate everyone who tuned in once again. Get ready for a huge weekend with the Final Four, guys. It'll be one of the best sports weekends we have. And after that, there won't be one for a while. But let's get hyped, guys. Talk to you all again soon.